Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us eyes to see the path that you have given us, ears to hear your call for us to grow, hearts and passion and desire to serve you in the faces of our neighbors and strangers. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Scripture today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 4. Hear these words. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given unto him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and to recover the sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I wonder if you've ever had one of those moments where you thought a conversation was going to go one way, and it just did not go as you were expecting, right? Maybe, uh, perhaps, usually worse. Like, maybe you have good news, right? Someone is going to get a promotion or a raise, and you get to deliver that good news, and then they quit. <laughs> it's like not what you expected. You, you wanted to keep them on, right? You're going to give them the raise, and they go, not, not what you were expecting. Or maybe you have good news, right? You just got an unexpected bonus from the company and your partner is mad because you disagree on how to use it, right? It's like, but this is good news. You shouldn't be mad, right? It's not quite what you expected. Jesus had one of those moments in his own life here. One of those moments where he had good news to share and then all of a sudden it does not go as expected. And so today I want to take a moment to read a little bit more beyond our selected text. Continuing in verse 22. So right after we heard those words, we hear these. All spoke well of him, him being Jesus, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? But the truth is there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, this is Jesus talking, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath and Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with peace, 
No, I'm sorry, I misread it. They were filled with rage. They got up, drove him, him being Jesus, out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This does not go as Jesus plans, right? Jesus has good news, he shares it, and they try and kill him. (laughs) That's a great story. You can't make it up. It's fantastic. Sometimes things just don't go as expected. No matter how much you plan, no matter what you do, you cannot control how other people react. You can't control how other people react. If we look back at our passage we heard earlier, Jesus is full of the Spirit in chapter 14. That's how it begins. Jesus is full of the Spirit. This happened a couple times. It happens at his baptism. It happens in the wilderness, right? The Holy Spirit claims Jesus in his baptism. It compels him into the wilderness, and it commissions Jesus to teach here now in Nazareth. So why this reaction from the town? Jesus was a good teacher, right? He teaches with authority. And good teachers try to minimize their misunderstandings. And so why this reaction from the townspeople? Jesus is following the order uh, of worship that we get from the Mishnah. So picture this, right? It was that custom to gather on the Sabbath. They would all sit around. Someone would be selected, a lay reader. Jesus was selected to read from the prophet Isaiah. The attendant, probably not a Pharisee, but the attendant of the synagogue, hands Jesus the scroll. Right? They don't have books. They don't have uh, scripts of things printed. Right? This is a scroll. Isaiah is on a scroll, and Jesus reads from the back of the scroll. Right? So just picture this. He's rolling it out, rolling it, rolling it out. Roll- it's a big scroll. He's rolling it, and everyone's just watching and waiting. Jesus is rolling it out, rolling it out. And then he reads the words, and then he has to roll it back up, and then he hands it back to the attendant, and then he does some exposition on the text, and they're filled with peace. No, they are filled with rage, right? This is a, this is a very exciting church service all of a sudden, right? They want to take Jesus out, and they, and they decided it's best to throw him off the cliff. This is a fascinating, he's following the order of worship. He's an elder, he's teaching, he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, he's expositing the scriptures, teaching with authority. So why is the town reacting this way? And for such rage too, uh, y'all, they want to enact capital punishment, right? That's work. It's the Sabbath. They are Jewish folk. They cannot work. You cannot kill on the Sabbath. They they must be so angry that they are willing to violate their sense of law and Torah to enact justice. They are furious. So why this reaction? And lastly, Jesus is just Jesus. He's, He's God incarnate. So why this reaction? I think we see this reaction for a number of reasons that we're going to get into today. The first is that we all have a pre-understanding of what the gospel is. 
Uh, before I went to work in the United Methodist Church at Westbury in uh, Houston, I worked at a Korean church in Jersey Village. I was the token white guy in the entire uh, Korean congregation, and I remember my, uh, my interview with Pastor Yeo. I went into his study, and he sat me down. Uh, he didn't speak a whole lot of English. His first question to me is, what is the gospel? And I was like, a nice, uh, easy, low ball pitch, right? Like, tell me a little bit more about you. No, he's like, what's the gospel? The second question, what's your understanding of the Holy Spirit? Okay, yeah, my name's Josh, born and raised in Indiana. Uh, no, he wanted to know, what, is your, what, is your, what are your thoughts on the gospel? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is your understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives? I was floored. I think because oftentimes we think that the gospel, we think that it requires a building, right? Like a synagogue or a church building. We think the gospel requires a budget, right? We think it requires paid staff who are specialized. We think that it requires uh, members and, and congregants and maybe sheer numbers of people to accomplish. But the gospel is none of those things. It doesn't require any of those. The early church didn't have any buildings, right? The early church didn't have huge caches of money floating about. The early church didn't have program staff who were in charge of different specialty areas. And the early church didn't really even have that many members. So what did they have? And why did Christianity spread like crazy? Why didn't it just kind of poof up in smoke like some other of the upstart religions? What was compelling about the carpenter's son in Nazareth, some backwater province in Roman-occupied Israel? What was the good news? Well, friends, the good news is Luke chapter 4. To bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to recover sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that, that is what the gospel is. The gospel is it's so much bigger than us. It's, it's guided by this uncontainable Holy Spirit. The gospel is the, is the power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives to do transformative work as it does in Jesus' life in Nazareth. It's the same Holy Spirit that claims us also at baptism. It compels us beyond our comfort zones into the wilderness. And it commissions us to bring good news to those that we encounter. And so today I want to sit with a few questions. First, why did the crowd respond like that? And are we in danger of responding like they did? And second, what would that sort of gospel look like in our lives? Or what is possible this new year as we lean in to Luke chapter 4? So first, why did the crowd respond like that? And are we in danger of responding to the gospel like they did? It goes back to what I said earlier. We all have a pre-understanding of what the gospel is. And the two examples that Jesus gives of the gospel breaking in are during the times of Elijah and Elisha. 
If you know your Bible, as these folks did, you would know that these are not the high-water marks of spirituality in Israel. (laughs) Uh, These two prophets are scraping the bottom of the bucket. What Jesus should have said, maybe, would have been more received better by the congregation, would have been if he would have said, it's like David and Solomon and the temple. But he doesn't. He says, the gospel breaks in when there's nothing left. When there is a prophet who says, I guess I'll go. And it's Elijah and Elisha, and there are no faithful people in the land. That's when the gospel breaks in and changes people's lives. And the people whose lives are changed in the examples that Jesus gives are Gentiles, not the faithful Jews. Jesus gives the wrong examples. He should have, should have said it's, you know, it's like the tribe of Judah and, and, all the, and, and David and, and the priests and the Levites. But he says, no, it's, it's people outside of our walls who are changed by the power of the gospel. I think that's why they react like they do. Good news to who, Jesus? Certainly for us, and Jesus says it would be for you all, but you all don't believe it yet. You don't believe it yet. Jesus is uh, trying to show us that we have to say no to trying to get God to work for us and yes to working for our God and what God is doing. It breaks our pre-understanding of what the gospel is. The second question I want to sit with today is, what would Luke chapter 4 look like in our lives today and what's possible this new year for us? I think it begins with what the commenter Ernest Hess has in mind when he says this, that we need the moral courage to hear these words. We need the moral courage to hear these words. We need the moral courage to be Luke chapter 4 people because it focuses not on buildings or budgets or paid staff or membership, but it focuses on the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the moral courage because it turns the social order upside down. We need the moral courage because it's what Jesus preached. We need the moral courage because I know that without the power of the Holy Spirit, I'd still be poor, I'd still be captive. I'd still be blind, and I would still be enslaved. The crazy, uh, the crazy, amazing good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to do away with all of those things, and he came to do away with all those things for all people. And so I wonder if you believe it, church. Do you believe it? Because it's true. It's done. It is finished. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. It is done. The gospel is here. It is a free gift to all, for everyone. It's moving among us today. It's a free gift to all people. It's good news that aligns itself with the outcast of society, both the high and the low. It's good news that sees the poor as valuable. It's good news that sees those enslaved to debt not as numbers on a spreadsheet, but as people of God. The year of the Lord's favor is here and now, and we need the moral courage to follow after what God is doing. And so may it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.